Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. As providers face opportunities and challenges ahead, a holistic approach to revenue cycle management will be paramount to success and sustainability. Today, I'm joined by Matt Seafeld, Executive Vice President at Medevolve, to discuss five trends that will impact how medical practice executives manage their businesses going forward. Matt, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the time. So, Matt, you recently wrote an article which I think had some had five you know, really exceptional trends in there that, that sort of really meld together the whole idea of what's going on in revenue cycle right now. And I'm going to ask you to walk, walk us through each of those and, and give us your thoughts on them. So the first trend is virtualization changes the work landscape. Where were you, what were you getting at there? Well, COVID brought a lot of challenges to this world, and it brought a lot of challenges to healthcare as well because you you kind of had a forced isolation. You know, uh, you know, you think about people were used to going into business offices; they're sitting in their cubicle. When they needed something from someone else, they make a phone call, maybe send an email, a post-it note, shot over a cubicle, right, et cetera, et cetera. And then what happens is is everybody has to go home. Now, I know in a lot of the hospital settings and ambulatory practices that we work in, you know, they didn't necessarily send everybody home, although many of our clients did actually have at least a hybrid there. So when you start to think about the work at home model, uh, you start to think about how effective are you at communicating the things that you need someone else to do? And is that trackable? Right. And, and that's, that's really been a big thing to, to healthcare practices, right? When you think of the complexities of revenue cycle, how many people touch a claim from the point of scheduling to the point of zero balance? It's not just one person. Well, ideally, right, you schedule it, you deliver the service, claim goes out the door, it gets paid, everybody's happy, the patient pays their bill, blah, blah, blah. We know that that's not reality. There's a lot of hands that touch a revenue cycle. And, and how are you tracking the hands that are touching revenue cycle? How are you tracking the turnaround times? You know, if I'm sitting there waiting on average six or seven days for my coding team to get back to me, that's six or seven days in AR that I'm not getting paid. You know, and so so when you think of uh, the work at home model, and now even if you're back in the office, you still need good ways to virtually communicate with each other, uh, and especially on the reporting analytics side. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Matt, the second trend you got into was tighter margins drive greater need for real-time data insights. Yeah, margin, right? No margin, no mission. And I think the hospitals feel this the most uh, because you have some part of your revenue you don't control, right? Your emergency department and, and your, your bad debt expense associated and charity associated with it. And so you really have to protect the good revenue, right? You got to protect every dollar in good revenue. Um, when I ask clinics a lot uh, in health systems what their net collection rate is, so if you bill a dollar and you expect 50 cents, are you getting 50 cents? Um, the answer is no, you're not. What are you getting? Right? Most folks can't answer that question. So that's a scary, that's a scary world to be in when you don't understand what your net collection rate is. Um, and if you do know what your net collection rate, and it's not at benchmark of 96 to 97% of what you expect, then the question is why? And is there money being left on the table? And then there usually is, and that's around bad debt management, it's around denials, avoidable write-offs, administrative write-offs. 
uh, potentially underpayments as well, you know, which I know you guys at, at Belser uh, know, know, know well. So, you know, these are all different things that, that you have to have real-time analytics. You know, I can't tell you, I started my career 21 years ago in healthcare revenue cycle, and now I'm still here. Right. And, and I, I'm amazed at how the basic patient accounting and practice management systems still think monthly reporting packages is the way to go. You know, in Metavolve here, we had to change that landscape because half our business is services. Right. And I needed to have real time transparency in every single one of my clients revenue cycles to know if I have to start asking questions. So that's what we've invested a lot of time, money and resources into the last two years. But, you know, my point is, is that you, you can't live in pivot tables. You can't live in Excel. You can't wait till the two weeks into the next month to figure out how your prior month went. It's too late. Healthcare is moving too fast, right? And so, so you have to have something more at your fingertips, fingertips to make sure that you're basing decisions for the business on facts, not feelings, right? You, know, you need to be objective in your decision-making, not emotional. And you need to be able to be objective. You have to have real-time data that tells you a story consistently, and you know whether you have to, to ask questions, redesign process, realign people, or possibly invest in new technology with the ultimate goal of improving margin, right? By reducing your cost to collect. A lot of that is labor dependence as well as, as, as making sure that, that your net revenue is maximized. Right? If you can pull on both sides of the, the triangle there, you know, your margin is going to be really solid and you're going to be able to do a lot more with that money, including invest in more technology, you know, look at how better ways you can help patients looking at, at all types of things that, that you can do buying technology that might improve the patient experience, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Uh, but there's a lot of things you can do with cash flow. Matt, the next trend probably couldn't be worded better. Front end financial clearance takes center stage. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like, again, you know, this is my two decades plus of, I guess, a little callousness uh, coming out is, you know, everyone seems to focus on the AR on the back office, right? And then people forget about the work drivers that have to go into place to make sure that you financially clear patients prior to the service, right? And what do I mean by that? It's pretty straightforward. You know, it's the verification of demographics. And now this day and age, you have to get a mobile phone. You got to get an email because we as consumers want to communicate that way. We don't want a robo dial phone call. We don't want necessarily even a paper statement hitting our mailbox anymore. Right. So demographic verification is really, really important. Uh, verifying benefits and eligibility seems straightforward, like a no brainer. Our number one first pass denial code at Metaval on behalf of hundreds of clients is COB eligibility, if you can believe that. Number two, by the way, is no authorization, right? Which is really the third component is making sure that you're authorized or have a referral in place for services that require it based on the, the payer. And the, and the fourth and fifth uh, item is, is really taking center stage now around patient debt. Um, you know, 20 years ago, if you collected from the patient or didn't, it didn't make a huge difference. About 5% of provider income was coming from the consumer. So 95% coming from insurance, we focused there. That's flipped, right? So now, not, not entirely flipped, but 50 to 55% and growing uh, is coming from the consumer now. And I'm still amazed at how health systems and provider groups are not good at collecting from the patient. They're not good at asking for money. They're not good at making sure that before you schedule another patient visit, collect what they already owe you. So, so I know that seems crazy, right? But that, that is the reality that we're, we're living into right now. And so... <clears throat> If you're not doing these things on the front end 
through either scheduling. Uh, most cases, it would be a good pre-registration process and department. Um, you're, mitig- you're, you're really limiting yourselves. And, and, and what happens is you end up with a lot more work to be done on the back office side, which increase your cost to collect. And you're also um, allowing your labor, right, to be not just limited in their productivity, but also limited in their effectiveness. Because one of the big components, whether you're looking at front office financial clearance, you're looking at back office AR management, is you got to have the right work drivers in place, right? When, when, when I come in the morning, to clear patients, I need to be delivered the work list to me in an automated fashion. And I need to be held accountable for the actions that I'm taking to generate the positive financial outcome on the back office. And so it's not just about transparency anymore. It's about workflow automation, which we'll talk about here in trend four, uh, to make sure that people are actually doing the job that they say they're doing with the outcomes you expect them to get. Yeah, probably no one working in a hospital revenue cycle or a um, physician group revenue cycle would would argue with number four, and that's reducing administrative burden is critical to strategy. Yeah, you know, people process technology. You know, it's something that I learned my first year consulting, and it's something that I carry with me. Uh, is that you know, if you don't have people aligned correctly and process aligned with people and technology support that, um, you're you're really limiting yourselves in terms of your rest cycle performance. Uh, and the big trend now is around workflow automation, right? You hear all the buzzwords, you know, machine learning, AI, um, you know, these are, these are cool little taglines that you have, but a lot of this stuff exists and can actually make your teams work much smarter. You know, uh, 80% or more of claims on open insurance AR don't need to be touched today. That doesn't mean, uh, and I've seen it, by the way, as high as 90%. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to work it tomorrow. But you don't need to touch it today. So why are you looking at it? And so, so, so being able to install work drivers, right, cloud-based work drivers that carve claims out, the stuff that's nonsense, and delivers the stuff that needs to be looked at to your, your FTEs managing that revenue cycle. And, again, we're talking about front-end financial clearance. We're talking about the back office side. Uh, which would be your insurance, your patient debt, and then, of course, your underpayments, uh, as well as your credit balances for patient insurance. So you have to have the work drivers, and then you have to have staff that are effective. You know, And I used to think that it was about productivity. And now, through AI and a lot of things that we model here at Metavolve, I've learned it's more about effectiveness and productivity. I, have a lot, I could have a lot of productive people that aren't effective. I don't need them. I could also have people who aren't as quite productive, but they're really effective at getting outcomes, right? And one, one example for us is that we, uh, we've developed an algorithm that looks at, at exhausted claims. So I want to be able to go in and say, on my open AR today, how many claims out there have been touched more than five times, you know, with no financial outcome? You know, we can answer that in seconds now, which has been extremely powerful because I can now move that into another work list for a supervisor, for example, or a team lead to start to review and say, is this a payer issue or is this a staff issue or is it a combination? So being much more informed on the decisions that you're going to make as an organization is, is key. But look, workflow automation, I mean, we hear about it in every other industry out there. Ironically, healthcare continues to lag 10 to 20 years from, from mainstream, you know, some would argue even more. It's time to wake up now because you can't keep throwing uh, labor bodies at problems, you know, and I hate when I hear that. It's like I have an AR problem, so I hired five more people. Well, first of all, the probability of all five of those being highly productive and effective are slim to none. So you just hired fully burdened, right, salary benefits, the whole nine yards of somebody, and you may end up turning over three of those five people within three months, you know, three to six months. 
So don't throw bodies at the problem. Look at your work drivers. Look at the way you automate work. Try to get rid of that administrative side. You know, the labor cost in the revenue cycle continues to drive that cost to collect uh, up, you know, uh, and I'm not talking about, you know, medical supplies and all the other things that the clinicians have to use to deliver the service. I'm just talking about rudimentary labor costs associated with getting claims out the door and paid. Uh, and there's a big opportunity in the health systems uh, and, the, and especially practices, uh, physician group, you know, independently on physician groups to really start looking at this in a much deeper uh, level. And the fifth trend works really well hand in hand, I think, with the third trend around financial or front end financial clearance. And that's patients will continue to demand better financial experiences. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, um, the consumer, you know, price transparency is probably the first thing that comes to mind. You know, what am I going to owe? Give me an estimate. And then flexible payment options. How, how you know, if, if I have a $5,000 deductible and I end up in an urgent care in January, which was what happened to me for a, for a headache that wouldn't go away, um, had to do a CT scan. Everything came back normal, which was good. Um, but it was a $2,000 bill. And so, you know, to be able to go to my healthcare provider and say, hey, you know, what kind of payment plans could you offer? And then they had a nice, reasonable payment plan. They put my credit card on file. So every month it just gets debited. They don't have to worry about calling me or sending statements. That's the type of relationship that we need to really uh, perpetuate here in, in healthcare. Um, the, the days of, of, of just assuming someone's going to write these big checks because they owe it are, are not, or they're over, right? I mean, with COVID, how many other fears are out there, right? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to get another job? Is there going to be another stimulus check? Am I going to keep getting the unemployment benefits? Will I have food on the table? Can I pay my electric bill? All those things are going through the, the consumer's minds right now. And, and as, as always, the healthcare bill that's left behind. So I think that the patients will demand that, um, the transparency and then the flexibility. On the flip side of that, too, though, is that you as providers also need to hold your patients accountable. And what I mean by that is, is you, you, you can't deliver free care. Now, if you're a health system and you have a lot of good financial counseling program in place and you can do screenings and F, you know, look at federal poverty guidelines and you can do charity write-offs and adjustments, that's awesome. Right. And there's going to be a subset of your population that are going to end up being bad debt, as in they had never had an intention to pay their bill. But for the rest of us who, who have intentions to pay our bills, you need to make sure that we're paying our bills before you before you continue to treat patients. Um, one of the analytics we look at Metavolve, and we're in the surgical specialty space, is we look at the amount of money that's coming back through the doors. Uh, so already scheduled patients who are scheduled over the next six months who already owe balances tens of millions of dollars in our client base is walking through the, the doors uh, over the next six months. And I mean, you think about that, like that is the stuff that's on the AR. That's the stuff that ends up getting sent to bad debt where you're going to pay 25, 30 cents on a dollar for a collection agency to catch. Right. And so, so you have to hold folks accountable for the services you render. There is no more free care. You know, I always make jokes that in the 19th century, I could walk into the grocery store get my basket of goodies and then have them just kind of tick a, tick a checkbox on a piece of paper and say, Hey, just put that on my tab. I'll get you. I promise I'll get you. You can't do that in healthcare anymore. If you continue to do that in healthcare, you're going to end up out of business, which is actually in turn hurts society. It hurts your community because there won't be, be the healthcare services and the consumer is going to have to drive a lot further to, to get that. So it's a double edge reason. I, I, the reason I kind of bring that up with trend five is, is that, 
there has to be empowerment on both ends. There's empowerment for the consumer to have price transparency and flexible payment options. There has to be empowerment on the clinic, though, and the health system, hospital, whatever you are, to make sure that your patients uh, are paying their bills, right? Um, and and that's that's a big movement right now. And I'm starting to get the sense that, that more practices are starting to to go that route where they're really, you know, they're calling on, uh, here, I'll just tell you one tactic I recommend for your listeners, um, regardless of what type of, of a provider group you are, is start calling on those balances or better yet, send a mobile text uh, and, and email out saying, hey, we're looking forward to seeing you uh, on May 15th. You owe us 350 bucks. Click here to pay, right? Or get on a payment plan. That's one tactic. Another tactic that I actually really like is call these scheduled patients, make it more of a service call, remind them they owe money, try to get the payment right then and there, um, but also verify demographics and eligibility. Do, do, do another set of financial clearance when you have me on the phone. Do you still have Blue Cross? I do. Do you still live at this address? I don't. Here's the correct address. I don't have an email on file. What's your email? What's your mobile phone? So it gives you a chance to engage with your, your client, your, your future client. But it also gives you a chance to clear that patient. Look, there's nothing worse than getting hung up in a denial as a patient, right? It's like, well, I gave you my insurance, but you didn't actually enter, enter it correctly. And therefore, there's a denial. So now I'm getting sent a statement because that's just the way your business office works. Now I'm frustrated. Now I'm calling your call center. I'm irritated. It's taking up time. It's costing money. And the cost to collect goes up. So lots of themes there around the patient, but it's, it's really important for folks to know that this day and age, you have to be very patient-centric. Uh, which also includes holding them accountable. Well, there's certainly no one thing we need to be doing to get it right. Um, so <laughs> great, great, true. great, great perspectives today, Matt. Uh, yeah. If someone wanted to find yeah. out more about Metavolve, where can they go? Yeah, yeah. So we're a privately owned company uh, headquartered in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, you know, Metavolve.com is our URL. But certainly, and if any of your listeners want to hit me up, I'm on LinkedIn, Matt Seafeld. You can search me out and happy to answer questions or clarify anything as well. So um, we've, we've had to do a lot of interesting things at Metavolve here the last couple of years to really uh, improve our cost to collect uh, on behalf of a lot of our revenue cycle outsourcing clients. So, so it's been a big, big move for us to, to look at how we leverage AI workflow automation and, and transparency analytics solutions to be better service partners for our clients, but then also make sure that we're, we're making margin and we can continue to sustain ourselves. Matt Seafell, thanks for joining us today on the Hospital Finance Podcast. Oh, I appreciate the time. Thank you. If you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the Hospital Finance Podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest, drop us a line at update at Bessler.com. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.